0: Get Smart Politics. It is Monday, July 25th, 2022, and this is your political cheat sheet. We are 106 days until the November midterm election and 834 days from the 2024 presidential election. We have three top storylines for you this week, and I'm here with the author of Get Smart Politics, Eric. Eric, it's hot.
1: Yeah, no kidding. It's been pretty miserable the last few days, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, and um, my first cousin is studying at Oxford in England right now, and she is in a dorm room, which looks like something that Harry Potter would stay in, but it has no air conditioning. (laughs) So I have been able to kind of see through her how miserable it is for not just our country, but other parts of the world.
1: Yeah, it's really been incredible. Like the, the normal thing is that you have a heat wave in a little part of America, but it's not the same time as Europe and Um, that's, what's been so weird about the past week is that it's been everywhere all at once. And yeah, they even got over 104 degrees in London. I think even higher than that in uh, Belgium and across Germany, it was pretty miserable.
0: I just can't imagine that they're well-equipped for this kind of heat, which brings us into the number one story, which is, um, climate change and how this has sort of opened up that conversation. Um, it's ongoing, but it kind of got a new, um, Wave. Yeah. No pun intended.
1: Exactly. That's um, trying to combine the actual weather events with uh, pushes for climate policy is something that has happened for decades. Um, Even in the 1980s, they were trying to coordinate um, hearings on really hot days to try to get uh, movement on uh, climate policy. But this one really did seem to line up pretty well with the time uh, when... Senator Manchin backed out of the talks to do some climate change legislation a week and a half ago that really just aligned with when this heat wave hit. And so the Biden administration decided to use that to their political advantage and have the president give a speech last Wednesday talking about how he sees it as a climate um, emergency and how we um, need to act immediately. It's a clear and present danger as he sees it and saying that if Congress does not act, then he is going to try to take um, unilateral action as the as president to take some administrative action. Um, so there's still some talks ongoing on Capitol Hill, but the odds are getting pretty slim that anything's going to happen really with it.
0: Okay. And some conservatives are a little worried about this because they don't want sort of a climate czar that can just do whatever he wants. Um, for climate related issues. So what do you think about that? If they do get something, if they sign an executive order, what are the powers going to be there?
1: Right. So that's something that I've been hearing a little bit on the right is people thinking that um, if he declares an emergency, then that would allow him to suspend the Constitution, declare martial law, um, act as a dictator, act as an uh, economic dictator, an environmental dictator, pass whatever new laws he wants that's frankly just not true um now i don't like when presidents decide to act unilaterally because congress chose not to or couldn't get their act together to do something that doesn't mean that the president should then just do it all by themselves but that being said um this the the powers within the emergency um declarations do not allow the president to suspend the constitution they don't allow him to just do whatever he wants It is actually pretty limited. And I I linked to an article in this week's newsletter that really analyzes what it is that the the president can do if he declares an emergency. And inside that article, if you read it, it's really interesting that some of the experts that they quote who really want there to be action on climate change are worried that if the president does this, it will actually harm the case because it'll backfire. Um, He won't really get many powers to do very much but it will be seen as an overreach of authority. So it would really be a lot better if you would continue working with Congress to get Congress to make their own uh, laws and pass them um, because there's just so much more power there to do something and then you don't get the backlash from acting unilaterally.
0: Okay, our second story um, is a little bit of um some legislation that's been going through and i say a little bit because i think it's gone unnoticed by a lot of people um we've all kind of been paying attention to the january 6th hearings um but the electoral count act or eca has been really the reason why the january 6th thing kind of started or was driving the bus there um tell me a little bit more about that
1: yeah, so the Electoral Count Act was passed in eighteen eighty-seven. It was actually a response to the election of Rutherford B. Hayes, which, if you think that the Trump Biden election was crazy, or like, you know, Bush v. Gore, you should go back and look at that. It was nuts. Um, but to try to prevent the craziness of that Hayes election from happening again, they passed this uh, act in eighteen eighty-seven. The problem is, it made it even worse. It's so convoluted and hard to understand. It's eight hundred nine words one paragraph um, that's 10 sentences. It's broken up into 10 sentences. One of them is 275 words long. I mean we've hardly said that many words so far in this podcast. (laughs) Like it's crazy and it's so ambiguous and convoluted. You just cannot follow what it says. And that is what um, President Trump used as his kind of legal pretext and basis for saying that he could, that the president the vice president could um, reject electors Uh, On January 6th, and that's why they needed to pressure Mike Pence to, quote unquote, do the right thing. And um, it was because the ECA really didn't clearly define what the vice president's role was.
0: Okay, so there's a bipartisan group of senators that have gotten together and introduced the Electoral Count Reform and Presidential Transition Improvement Act of 2022, which hopefully is a little <laughs> is a little simpler than its name suggests.
1: Seriously, I actually kind of thought about making a joke about how <laughs> maybe if your goal is to simplify this thing, you might not want to have a twenty-five word <laughs> title to the bill.
0: Yeah, but it's getting a lot of support.
1: Yeah, so there were sixteen senators that introduced this bill, and nine of them are Republicans. So you have to have ten Republicans to pass anything um, through the filibuster, you know, to overcome a filibuster in the Senate, and. Since this was introduced, it actually did um, has gotten some pretty warm feedback from some other Republicans who were not part of that group of nine so I think there's actually a really good chance that this moves forward
0: so was Joe Manchin one of the sixteen
1: so he is uh, one of the people that was actually a core member of the group trying to push them this forward and that 's a good thing because that shows that the breadth of the Democratic Party was uh, on board with making this reform okay now also this would uh, address the Concerns that there were in the transition as well, where President Trump tried to freeze out the Biden team from um, having access to the ability to get off the ground and running and get ready to start serving as president. So this would allow, if there's a dispute, for both sides to begin their transition, just as like hypothetical teams, only one obviously is going to actually get into office. But the way it is right now, the current, the sitting president had pretty strong control over um, that transi- transition process, and this would allow for both sides to move forward if there was a dispute again.
0: Okay, In your third story, um, you kind of got your Care Bear feelers out this week. Um, <laughs> right. Unfortunately, President Biden was diagnosed with COVID, um, but it sounds like his symptoms are mild and improving, and he made um, a public appearance, which was nice so that we could Know that he was doing okay uh, but you talk a lot about some major health problems with a lot of people in congress and um, it's kind of shocking
1: yeah it really is and this is the reason i wrote this is just that i think it's important that we remember that these are human beings um, they suffer from the same kind of maladies as we all do and um, accidents as well uh, i ran through a few of them john Fetterman. Um, who's running for Senate in uh, Pennsylvania. The Democrat nominee had a pretty major stroke a few weeks ago. Um, ben Ray Lujan from New Mexico, senator also had a stroke, a pretty serious one in January. Chris Van Hollen, who's a senator, a Democratic senator from Maryland, had a minor stroke in May. And Patrick Leahy, who is the longest serving member of the Senate, he's 82 years old. He broke his hip recently, and he's had a couple of surgeries For that, Um, all of those are Democrats. And it's amazing. We've talked a lot about the bad luck, the string of bad luck that the Democrats have had. This is what it made me think of. Like, I keep hearing of these health problems, and it seems to almost entirely be Democrats.
0: Well, they're all under a lot of stress. I mean, stress does terrible things to you. So I hope that everyone recovers. Yeah. And especially
1: these strokes, you can see that happening when they're in the middle of the campaign season. Um, you know, going nonstop. It's like a, you know, 18 hour a day job. And some of these guys are not young, not spring chickens. Right. Um, And, you know, Patrick Lee is 82. People break their hips when they're 82. And so it's it's really important to remember they are human beings. And I I say we ought to pray for all of the members uh, of Congress, all of our elected officials, because I think it's a lot better for our balance of power and our political decisions to be decided at the ballot box instead of at the hospital. I don't think that that's, you know, taking over a majority because someone um, was, uh, you know, passed away. That's not the way you want it to happen. We ought to resolve these things by voting for them.
0: Well said. Well, we don't have any primaries this week, but I think we're going to need the week of rest um, before we hit early august that's
1: right we're going to come back with a whole lot more to talk about next week we have a huge uh, string of primaries that are going to be the last big uh, tranche before the end of this primary season
0: all right well we'll see you next week and i just wanted to say i really am enjoying the polls that you've put in um our monday cheat sheet And this week's You Should Go Vote, Should the Federal Government Take Dramatic Action to Counteract Climate Change? I'm interested to see the results of that.
1: Yeah, I am too. I'm really excited about that. Substack, which is the platform that I use for this um, newsletter, just introduced the ability to poll. And the first one was last week that I did, and that was Should Donald Trump Run for President in 2024? And um, we had almost 200 of you vote, so thank you for doing that. 56% said no, 39% said yes, and 5% said they weren't sure. So interesting outcome there. It wasn't really, you know, decisive either way, although definitely a clear majority said no.
0: Yeah. Well, it's fun to see what everyone's opinions are. Yeah, we'll keep doing it. it. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.